Hey everybody, welcome to New Life. Ray, get us going this morning with a song, alright? Take off on us. body of Christ at New Life. Hey, I pray that this message finds every one of you doing well. I hope that uh, you're about tired of this isolation because next week, hopefully, we're going to be able to be gathered together here in praising God and worshiping Him again as a group, as a body of Christ, as the way we're supposed to be. So make plans on trying to be here next week and know that uh, throughout the week, we will provide a couple of updates on on social distancing and different things because we're supposed to try to still keep it safe while we, we do this and while we gather together to worship God and know that we're going to be working on that this week. But I pray that, I pray that you're ready and I pray that everything's been going well with you and your family because that's what we have been in prayer about. And I want you to remember something this week as you get ready for next week. I want you to remember that you are blood-bought, that you are heaven-bound, and we might be in this world, but we are not of this world. And matter of fact, just like it says there behind me, that's going to be our text for today in John chapter 15, verse 18. Jesus wants us to know something, that the world hates us. We are in the world but we are not of the world we've been bought we've been separated and we are in a different direction than what this world is going into and we are a child of god i want you to remember that you are a child of god most high el shaddai the all-powerful god who is all sufficient for us and today that's our secret we want you to know that the world hates you we are in danger danger every day and you say 
Ah, preacher, have you lost your mind? Are you off your rocker? Well, maybe. I'm, I'm going off on the deep end into the Word of God, and, and so if you want to follow me, if you want to start going into the deep end of the pool, put your floaties on for safety, and let's go. Let's go kicking around in there and floating around and see what we can find, okay? Um, Paul told this to Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12, he says, I want you to know this, that yes, all who would live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And you know what? I'm going to be the first one to readily admit right now that I am probably not suffering enough persecution. Probably because I am not following the word of God to its proper intent the way that Paul and Peter and the rest of those who had followed Jesus in that first century did. They suffered persecution all the time. As a matter of fact, the two verses leading up to that one where he says, know that you will face persecution, Timothy, if you live godly in Christ Jesus, and so will everyone who does. He says this in verses 10 and 11, you have carefully followed after me and saw the things that has happened to me in every city that I have preached Christ into, in Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra. Yes, Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. Let's take a journey with him there. Before you turn to John 15, turn with me to Acts chapter 14. I want you to see what Paul is talking about here to Timothy when he says, if you live godly in Christ Jesus, you will face persecution. So, he goes everywhere, Paul does, teaching Jesus, teaching that I know nothing save Jesus Christ and Him crucified in every place. And then he teaches them that when you are in Christ, you have died to self and you've become a new creature and you're no longer of this world. You are in it, but you are not of it. And you're not supposed to live like they do. And he starts telling them that you have to follow the word of God and the, the example of Jesus and that you're no longer going to live and do the things that you did. He lists the whole thing there to him about all of the different things that they used to do. But then he says, but you have been cleansed. You have been separated. You have put off that old man and you've taken on the new creation in Christ and you are no longer like that. And when you begin to preach those things, to the world, the world does not like to hear it, and you're going to face persecution. Look what happened to him whenever he gets to Iconium there in chapter 14. It says that the preaching of Jesus so aggravated the unbelievers there that it says that they went to the leaders and was saying that this man is poisoning the minds of the people, poisoning their minds. That's where the battleground is, is in the minds of men, folks. It is, the battleground is in here, and it's in the thought processes. It's, it's in the system of thinking that is there. And he says, they have poisoned the minds, and they became so irate. They became so despitefully hateful of him and his message of Jesus Christ that they took up to stone him, and they had to escape, and they went off. And they went to the next town to Lystra. But when they got there in Lystra, there was a crippled man who was sitting there. And it says that he'd been crippled from his mother's womb. 
And Paul looked at him and said, this man's got faith. The word of God says that he had faith that he could be healed. And so he told him, he said, stand up and get on your feet. And it says that that man jumped and leaped up into his feet and began walking around. And you know what happened? The people who had came from Antioch and Iconium, they were so angry. They followed him there. They wanted to do destruction to Paul. And so there, they saw what he was doing there and these men began to worship him as a God for being able to do this. And he says, no, 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 stop. I am a mere man like you. I have a sinful nature like you do. I am like you. I am not of a God. And he says, but I want to reveal. And he used that opportunity of the healing to teach the gospel of the true God of heaven, he says, who brings down the rain, who gives you food. This is the true God that brings joy and happiness into your life. Well, the, those haters that had followed him from Antioch and Iconium, here they come. And they see what's going on and they're mad as a wet hen. And they go after him and they start saying again, they use the same term. This man is poisoning your minds. You see, Satan and the world system wants control of your mind. Jesus says, keep this in mind. They are going to hate you because they hated me first. So they go after him and this time, you know what? They actually do stone him. It says that they stoned him and that they pulled him out of the city, and that they left him for dead after they had worked him up into a frenzy that he has poisoned your mind. They had looked at him. They had stoned him. He was dead. This is where in, in the Corinthian letter, the second one, he says, you know what? I know someone who had went out of the flesh and into the third heaven. Whether I, I don't know what all happened, but all I know is what I saw. This is the time. Paul had left the body because of that. But then, God wasn't through with him. God still had a plan for his life. And if you are still here today, then know that God has a plan for your life as well. He took and raised Paul back up. And you know what Paul did? He went back into the city. Now, he left soon after that, but he got back up and he went back into that city and as a witness to the power of God, that was there. And so these hateful unbelievers had followed him from all of those cities to stone him and leave him for dead. All because of the message and the changed lifestyle for Jesus Christ. So now, if you would, let's go to our text in John 15. Turn there with me if you would in John chapter 15. And while there, you're there, I want to let you know this is a truth, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. The truth is, the world hates you. And you say, wait a minute. We're not doing too bad. I'm, I'm kind of comfortable with everything I am right now. Well, me too. That's the problem. Because I want to tell you something. The time's short, and it's getting shorter all the time. I think we're going to be in for some stuff here real soon. And so as we become mobilized as the army of God and as his ambassadors the way that we're supposed to be in this community, warning people about what's getting ready to happen in this world that hates them, we have to know that the battle is on. The world hates you and I, and it's not going to be easy. And we have to take the message to people before their souls are lost, and it is too late. 
Jesus says there in chap John chapter 15 and verse 18, before we read the passage, the third word there is world. We need to explain and know what he means by the world. Does he mean this, this earth, the ground, um, the, the things there? No. He's not talking about the physical world. He's talking about the spiritual world, which is really the real world. This world was created. It's going to melt and dissolve with the fervent heat one day and be gone. But the spiritual realm, which was here from eternity past, will go on to eternity future and never end. And it is the real world. And that is what is being referred to here by Jesus in this passage as the world. Uh, the word for ground, earth, is gay, G-E, but g. But the word that Jesus used here is cosmos, probably a word that you're familiar with. Think about cosmetics, cosmopolitan. The cosmos, what it means properly is an ordered fashion of something. To get orderly and to move in an orderly procession or to have an order about something. And what the world is, what the cosmos is, is Satan's ordered realm of the world and his ordered way of thinking that is in direct opposition to the way of God's uh, ordered thinking is. The cosmos is an ordered system, a system of thinking. You and I battle a system of evil and darkness. We battle it every day. In leading up to this, in John chapter 14 and verse 30, leading up to what we're get, Jesus is getting ready to say, he says this. He says, I will no longer talk to you very much anymore because the ruler of this world is coming after me but he's going to have nothing in me. He's coming after me, but he ain't got nothing in me. The ruler of this world. That's talking about the ordered system of thinking. The, the devil is the ruler of the world system. So when Jesus uses the word world, when the other writers of the epistles say, you are to not love the world nor the things that are in it, you are to be separated from the world, it's because that is Satan's realm and his ordered system of thinking. And it is always counteractive to God's way of doing things. Now, Jesus is the Word. In John chapter 1, as we build the foundation here, in John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and there is not anything that was made that was not made by Him. In Him, in Christ, in the Word, was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it. So there is where our battle is. It is light versus darkness. It is Jesus, it is God, it is their system 
versus the system of darkness. And light came into this world. Jesus was God. He was with God. He made these things. He came into this world and he is the light. But people don't want to see the light. The world comprehended it not. Now, we're going to get ready to go on to part two of this video. I urge you to please go and watch part two. It is very important. We're going to reveal some things. And it's going to be important for us going forward into the next several weeks and months as we go on in our study. So please, you need to have this foundation of knowledge that we're getting ready to build from the Word of God on you and I being hated. So please, follow me now over to video number two, part two of why we are hated. Okay, thank you. Thank you for following me over here to video part number two. And we were just talking about John 1, where Jesus was the light of the world. And he came into this world, and that is life. But the world comprehended it not. The darkness cannot comprehend it. And it's where our battle is of our mind is between the battle of light and dark. Jesus said this to Nicodemus, who came to him by what? By night. He came to him in the darkness of night, and he said, Teacher, and, and he, he says, We know that you must be from God. And, and Jesus goes on to explain to him that you must be born again. And he tells him, You must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. And it's the Spirit that reveals unto you the light and the life and reveals to you Jesus and then Jesus goes on to say this in John chapter 3 and verse 18. He who believes in me is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed on the name of the Son of God. This is the condemnation. What? What's the condemnation, Lord? That the light has come into the world, but men loved darkness rather than the light. Because their deeds are evil. This world loves darkness rather than light. Satan hates God. He hates Jesus. He hates anything that has to do or smacks with the idea of God and His divine establishment because Satan wants to rule. And so anything that God has set in order and in place Satan wants to blow it apart, and he wants to tear it apart. He wants to condemn it. He wants to say that it's old-fashioned, that it's no good, that it's not proper in society, that you have a right to do something else. And he does everything that he can to discredit the things that are of God so that he can control you and win your soul by telling you how good and much he, he cares about you and how you should have your rights. So, as we said, we are in the world, but not of the world, of the devil's system of thinking, of darkness. And with that said, God has put in place four divine establishments for us to help us as we live and survive in this world system of Satan's. The first one was the matter of choice. 
Everyone should have freedom of choice. That's called volition. Your volition, your freedom to choose is the first thing that God established. In the garden, whenever he created man and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul and then he took the rib and, and made and manufactured for him the woman. Then he set the man in the garden and he told him, of all of the trees of the garden you may freely eat and have for food except for one. The tree that is in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil, that is not for you to partake of, for in the day that you do, dying you will die. In other words, I have given you my word on how things should operate and what I expect from my creation. But you have a choice. Know this, if you choose to go against my word and what I have set in place, you will reap the consequences of that. Dying, you shall die in the day that you disobey me. So freedom of choice is the first thing that God wants man to have. The second thing that he has provided to protect us with is the home and the family. Those are number two and three. The first thing God did after he set man in the garden is he brought to him the woman. This is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. They twain shall be one. For this reason shall man leave father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So partnership and a helpmeet is the second divine establishment of God. It is one man with one woman. Satan will always try to go against your freedom of choice. He would rather have a one-world type government, and he would rather have a dictatorship that keeps in check the evangelism of Christ and not allowing that to happen like he does in most of the other countries right now. The second thing that he makes an attack on is the what the man and the woman, what God has set into place, and that is not good. You should, not, you should be able to have anything you want. No, God set a divine establishment in place. This you cannot procreate. You cannot have children outside of a man and a woman. And this is the divine establishment of God for what that's supposed to be for home and then for family. Children will be born into that relationship. And this is the family unit. And this is part of God's protection and procreation for the world to move on in this angelic battle that we are in. And the, finally, the last thing that God set in place is nations. He set in place the nations of the world. In Acts, it says there that God established all of the nations and he puts in place their boundaries, like where the borders of the United States of America is. He knew where that was. He put in place boundaries and also times of when they would be and how long and how much in power. So God established that. He began establishing it at the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11. Do you know why? Because there was a wicked man there who was under Satan's worldly system. He was a ruler who was influenced under satanic uh, influence. And he was a murderer. 
and he murdered. It says he was a great hunter. No, it means he was a murderer. And he forced people into his system. And he says, you're going to make bricks and we're going to build a tower and we're going to build it up to God and we're going to overtake that and we will be, as I will be like God. You're going to be mine and we're going to do that and God's not going to destroy us because the flood, we're going to build it higher than what the flood was and we're going to be protected and you're going to follow me because I will protect you from something like that happening again. No, that was Satan's lie. But you cannot have a wicked one world ruler. And that is why there can be no UN. There can be no United Nations. wants to come in and rule the world and start forcing you to have no choice. Oh, we're going there, brothers and sisters in Christ. We are going there in the next few weeks. Whenever it's going to talk about some things like you're going to have to receive this or you're not going to be able to participate in society, you won't be able to go into a marketplace or travel to another state, we are getting ready to go there. You know why? Because that's part of the world system. That's part of Satan's way of thinking that I want a one world government. I want to rule over you and give you no choice in the matter of what you do. And I am going to take it over, but I'm going to make it sound like it's the best thing that there is for you. Did God really say that you would die? No. He just doesn't want you to partake of that because he knows that in the day that you do, you would be like him. Yeah, you would be like God and you would know good and evil and he does not want you to be that way. He wants to keep you, hold you down and, and violate your rights. That's what God wants to do. Those are the lies of Satan. Jesus said in John 8 that he is a liar and the father of it and he doesn't speak any truth because there is no truth within him. And any time this world system tries to drag you outside of what God has put into place with your freedom to choose, then that is wrong, brothers and sisters. And we've got to preach this word to others because this we are getting ready to be drugged down a rabbit hole and we're not going there, okay? Now... The nations, we can't have one world government because that will end up, once it gets into power, it denies just like Nimrod. It persecutes you. It will kill you. It wants to hold you down and control you and give you no choice. You will follow what we say and nothing else. And then they, even in China, you, you can't have the decision to procreate. You can only have one child. We'll kill any other babies that you have. Do you really want to live under a socialistic, communistic state like that? I don't think so. God says you have the right to live in freedom with some choices to make. You can choose to have one child if you want, but they don't have the right to tell you that because I said that you can go into the world, be fruitful and multiply and enjoy yourself. The world system is always against the word of God in every aspect. So now... If you're there with me in John 15, I wanted you to know what he means when he talks about the world here. When Jesus mentions the world, it's cosmos diabolicus. It's the diabolical worldly system of thinking that Satan has in place. And in John 15 and verse 18, Jesus there says if, and that if is a first class condition. In the Greek, 
language, they have conditions with their ifs. There's, there's several of them. There's if and it's true. There's if and it's not true. There's if it may be true, it may not be true. That depends upon you. Uh, those things are built into the language by the, by the way it is written. And this here is a first class congestion. So what Jesus is saying is if the world hates you, and they do, and it does, if the world hates you, the ordered way of Satan's thinking, if it hates you, and I want you to know that that word there for hate is the strongest word for hate that there is in that language. It's meseo, meseo. There's, there's no adjectives with this. It's not a compound word. It's a singular word, which is very uncommon in the Greek language. And what that does when it's a simple word but carries that much weight, this is a phenomenal word that, that is like exceedingly abundantly above. Okay? So when it says, when Jesus says, I want you to know something, that the world hates you. That word for hate is meseo, and they call it a spitting word. In the old world, hated somebody, they would spit at him. You remember what they did to Jesus when they were beating him, and they spit upon him. It is the, the greatest form of disgrace and distastefulness that there is on displaying your hatred to somebody. And this word, that S in the middle of it, was a spitting word to show how vehemently this hatred is. I meseo you. And it's almost like they're spitting upon you as they say it. The world, folks, will try to take you and reel you in with niceties, but know this, it hates you. It hates you to the very core with a despicable hatred that wants you destroyed. But Satan will come, the Lord said, as an angel of light so that he can deceive you and so that his hatred then can be fruitful by taking your soul and stealing it. And so this hatred, Jesus said, is the one thing that I want you to know as we go forward. You know, no wonder we're not persecuted anymore because we want the world to be comfortable with us. No, we are not of the world. We are not supposed to be a part of its system. And that we are told in the epistles that... that do not love the world, neither the things that are in it, okay? The world hates you. And if the world is liking you, then maybe we're not being the Christians and sending the message to folks of what we're supposed to be. The world hates you. And why does it hate us so much? Jesus goes on to say, know this, that the world misseos you, it hates you. Because it hated me first. And guess what? In this passage of scripture of John 15 from here in 18 to the end of the chapter. There are seven reasons why the world hates you and I. And we're going to cover those in the weeks to come. But the first one 
is what we're covering today. Know this, the world hates you because it hated Jesus. And guess whose we are? We are Christ. So know this, brothers and sisters, that the world hates you because it hates Jesus. And it hates anything that it has to do and it will attack anything that is Christ's and anything that is God's. So know that we got a battle going forward. But I can't wait to see you next week. I hope you're all out here. Hey, have a blessed week. God bless you and we love you. This is the day. This is the day. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Pray that you have a great week. Hope to see you all in person next week. Have a very blessed week in Christ. Armor up, dear Christians. Armor up.